This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino is a paid program. When your personal investments need help to reach your retirement dreams and navigating the complex world of financial planning requires an experienced manager, that's when you know you're ready for primetime. Welcome to Primetime Money on Zoomer Radio with Richard Infantino, Senior Wealth Advisor at RBC Dominion Securities. Good morning and welcome to Canada's only money show dedicated to those of you 50 plus and your overall investment, tax and estate planning and your direct link to all of North America's top money managers with the best ideas on how you can grow your money. We have two great guests for you today. First up is Stephen Dunnick. He's uh, Vice President and portfolio manager at AGF Investments. And he's going to talk about our favorite topic, uh, dividends. And more specifically, he's going to talk about where the best dividend companies in North America. And Marcus Berry, he's a vice president and ETF specialist at Invesco, is going to talk about, is it time to start dipping your toe into the NASDAQ market and getting some innovation into your portfolio? But first, the question I get asked most in my practice is, how do I pay less tax in retirement? I have a guide and it's 10 strategies for you that we have used in our practice for the last 29 years. But I only have time to go over five of them. But I have a special report that's going to go over all 10. So here's the first five that are in the guidebook. First, number one, is when you're looking at paying less tax in retirement, the number one strategy is called the order of asset withdrawal. I call it a hierarchy. So what do you draw out first? So after you get OAS and CPP, then... Where do you draw money from? So say those two aren't enough for you. Where do you draw the next amount of money from? Is it from your open account? Is it from your RSP account? Or is it from your RIF account? Or if you have a locked-in account, is it from your Lira or LIF account? Which one is first? And which is the best way to uh, save the most amount of tax by drawing from that area first? So that's the um, number one in our first strategy. Uh, strategy number two is uh, the minimum RIF, LIF, withdrawal planning. So here, what you're doing is you're looking at your age and you're looking at your spouse's age. If your spouse is younger, you can actually draw less. So the reason that you consider that is a situation where you don't need all of the income that would come out of your RIF account or your LIF account in this particular circumstance. So to preserve the capital and defer taxes, you could use the spouse's, the younger spouse's age to withdraw a lower amount from your RIF account. So say, for instance, uh, the spouse is 60 and you're 70. So then the way you do the calculation is that you take 90 minus the spouse's age, that's 30. One thirtieth is about 3.3%. So instead of drawing 5.2% when you're, um, or 5% when you're 70, you would draw 3.3%. So you're taking less income in. So that's uh, number two. Number three is Effective use of surplus assets. This is really key because what could happen in this circumstance is that you've saved up a lot of money uh, and that now you have a big pool. Instead of um, looking at ways to get rid of it, it may be important to use that surplus assets or that surplus amount of money to fund any particular circumstance that could happen later in life when you would need additional income. So for additional 
um, costs for health care, long-term care costs, those types of things are important. So that pool of money is, is, is really important to you. Number four is um, prescribed uh, annuities. So interest rates are going back up again now. So because they've gone back up, a prescribed annuity is a contract with an insurance company, and it's for your life or your life and your, your spouse's life. And basically what it is is it's a situation where you would get um, money for the rest of your life or the rest of your life plus your spouse's life, and you get it in an after-tax fashion with what's called the prescribed annuity. So basically what you're doing is you're taking a, a pool of money and you're turning it into income for the rest of your life. Now, you don't get that money back, the pool of money. You just get the income for the rest of your life. So if that's a particular concern and you want a guaranteed type of return, that's called the prescribed annuity. Now, with interest rates up again, that's why we're talking about it again. And the fifth one is to get uh, tax-preferred income. So now, in your open account, you can get taxed. Basically, it's four ways. Number one, you're going to get interest income where you're taxed 100%. Number two, you get a dividend where you get a tax credit for the dividend that you have. So you want to consider that one. Number three is going to be capital gains tax. And capital gains tax is 50% taxable. So that's very tax efficient. And number four is return of capital where I'm going to get income. But what it's going to do at, at some point is it's going to reduce my cost base and basically give me in the future uh, a higher capital gain down the line. So there's four ways. So which one is going to be the best for you? So those are all different ways, and it's dramatic difference between 100% taxable on interest and 50% taxable on capital gains. Big, huge difference. you got to consider that when you're um, setting up your account. So those are five ways that you should consider in terms of um, looking at strategies to reduce taxes when you're in retirement. The other five are spousal RSPs and RIFs, pension income splitting, CPP sharing, spousal loans, and tax-free savings accounts, of course. So this is a great guide because it's something that we've uh, put together at RBC over the last 25 years in terms of things that we've seen that have uh, been tax areas where, you know, if, if you effectively take care of your taxes correctly, it could save you 20% tax every year. It's basically that much when you you know look at the, the different types of tax brackets. So on the amount that you pay, could be a 20% difference if you're doing these things all correctly. So the key thing is the guide is called 10 Strategies to Pay Less Tax in Retirement. So the best thing here about the show, of course, is it's free. All you got to do is give Dominique a call now. It's one 891 2637 That's 1-866-891-2637. 2637 for the 10 strategies to pay less tax in retirement. Now, um, the thing that you got to remember too is that this is something that you practice all the time. So you want to have a quick look through on this. It's only about three pages long. We deal with this all the time uh, with our particular practice. So it's something that we've put together that we live on. Um, another thing that you can do too as well is we have a website, of course. It's called primetimemoney.ca. You can go there anytime. And these kinds of informations are on that, on that uh, website. Plus, there's a section called In the Money. So when we have guests come on the show and talk about different funds or ETFs or whatever types of stocks or bonds that they are referring to, we post it there in the section called In the Money. So you just click on that and you'll get all the background information of what we're talking about. Then if you go to the next section over, it's called Calculators. And you can do all these different types of calculations if you took extra money out of your open account, taking uh, extra money out of your RIF or taking the minimum out of the RIF. All of these types of things are there. So it's a full uh, website to help you with financial planning now and all the way through retirement. So take advantage of that. Again, it's called primetimemoney.ca. 
radiocentral.ca. And of course, all the radio shows are on there and all the different interviews that we have are on there as well. So, you know, use that on a regular basis and you got all kinds of information there for you. Okay, stay right there because, um, you know, the big thing that we talk about on this show is uh, dividends and it's our number one priority here, and especially in this kind of a market. Dividends are getting us through it. So, uh, Stephen Dunnick, he's a vice president and portfolio manager at AGF Investments, is going to be here and talk about where are the best dividend payers in North America. I'm Richard Infantino. You're listening to Primetime. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Richard Infantino and Primetime Money. And joining us now is Stephen Dunnick. He's the Vice President at AGF Investments. Hey, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for uh, joining us here today. Yeah, thanks, Richard. And thanks, uh, thanks for having me today. Stephen, the reason that we wanted you to come on the show today is we wanted to talk a little bit about what you're seeing there in terms of the biggest drivers of market volatility this year. And I know that you're still optimistic. Tell us all about that. Yes, you know, the... I believe the biggest drivers of market volatility, market direction, and even even the rotations we've seen within market internals in 2022 has has been inflation and the trajectory of interest rate expectations. Uh, but you know, as we know, one does direct the other. So you could actually just say simply that you know the main driver of 2022 so far has been inflation, uh, since we all know you know the, the potential path and scenarios of inflation are by far the top influencing factor for the future path of interest rates. Um, so, you know, those current scenarios around inflation and interest rates and what we've seen so far have really caught most economists off guard. All experts didn't really see the trajectory that were being priced into the market in the, in the last few months. You know, you know, we all knew that this would likely come, that interest rates were going to go higher and inflation could be nitpicky and a little bit stubborn as, you know, 2022 and 2023 unfolded. Um, but, you know, with, you know, the acceleration of you know, what we saw with, you know, the unfortunate war in Ukraine, you know, that just gave another boost in terms of, you know, inflation being more stubborn or a little bit heightened in the here and now. And thus, with those, you know, heightened inflation expectations being brought forward, um, you know, that also pushed interest rate, uh, rate, rate assumptions um, and all the other market volatility that were already in place in January and February. Now, um, you know, as a dividend uh, investor and portfolio manager, what are the green flags that you look for when you, you're picking a stock? Yeah, it's, it's, it's honestly pretty boring, Richard. Um, but it's, you know, I, I obviously, it's all about free cash flow creation and, and, you know, balance sheet strength and just the health of fundamentals of a company. You know, companies with strong and growing free cash flow tend to be the ones that support and grow their dividends. And we know the market likes to... Uh, really reward companies that that do that, that are able to support their dividends and even grow their dividends. Dividend growth as a factor is one of the best forward predictors about performance. You know, so other attributes that we look for is, you know, low debt, lots of cash. You partner that with strong margins, you know, and that all adds a ton of flexibility for these companies to weather anything that comes their way over a full market cycle. And, you know, those are the type of stocks that I like as my core holdings, stocks that are, are, are you know, multi-market uh, type stocks that can go over a full market cycle. Yeah, that's great. Um, let's talk about individual stocks now. Could you tell us, like, uh, given your research and your analysis, a, a stock that you'd be buying now? Well, one stock that I do think that is kind of being left behind, um, just given what we've seen within its own sector, is, is Parkland Fuel. 
Um, you know, it's in the GIX level, it's in a GIX energy GIX sector. It's not the high torque, high beta, or kind of sexy uh, as many of the other uh, oil producers. And, and, and I think a lot of investors, they obviously have to budget for their, you know, energy allocation. So I think it kind of gets left behind. And it's, and it's being left behind for a lot of those reasons and nothing to do with its fundamental. It's, you know, but speaking to the fundamentals of this company, you know, it's Canada's only refinery, and it, it's not just a, a pure refinery. It also has a lot of uh, convenience store exposure. So it's a mix between, like, a U.S. refinery, basically, and, like, uh, an alimentation couche tire. Yet it's, you know, it's, it's at a massive discount in terms of performance and valuation to each of those. You know, the yield is, the dividend yield is very healthy, and I believe a lot of the fundamentals driving it for the next few quarters are, are even healthier. So Parkland Fuel would be definitely one that I think would be a good lower beta way to play energy, and I think even better to be a great hedge for the rest of the sector. So for myself, you know, I'm a Canadian dividend manager, North American dividend manager. I obviously have some natural energy exposure. I own four producers. To pair this with some of those producers is a great way to barbell my strategy. Yeah, great. Um, we got about one minute left, Stephen. Could you tell us about the... Um the fund that you manage, the AGFIQ, North American Dividend Income Fund? Yes. You know, yeah. for, for, the, for, the, for the AGFIQ, North American Dividend Income Fund, and the funds we do manage, it's, uh, you, know, we all, we, we, you know, we do a lot of quantitative work uh, up front to look at, you know, how we want to approach the dividend space. And, you know, what we believe is the best way to approach this over a full market cycle and with risk-adjusted returns is being a, a, a diversified way of dividend investing. So we're, we're much more balanced than many that are out there. So I like, you know, people talk about the growth and value of barbells. I like to think of it of a quality and income barbell. So that's how we are very much situated. You know, we, we are, we have stocks in energy, we have stocks in IT, you know, we have, we, we are always looking for the quality stocks across all sectors. So we're definitely not the value um, tilted uh, mandates. We're definitely not the growth mandated, uh, tilted mandates. We're right in the middle. Uh, so I do believe that sort of uh, um, balanced approach to dividend investing is the proper way to approach a full market cycle and, a, and the best way to have a, a, a very strong risk-adjusted returns over that same time period. Well, that's great, Stephen. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us here today. I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully we can get you back on again real soon. I, I love it, Richard. You, you let me know I'll be here. I really appreciate it. Thank okay. You. you take care. Okay, that was Stephen Dunnick. He's Vice President and Portfolio Manager at AGF Investments, Inc. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. The distributions are not guaranteed and they may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by AGF Investments, Inc. Okay, is it time to tiptoe back into the NASDAQ stock market? Stay right there. Marcus Berry from Invesco is going to join us to talk about how you can add innovation to your portfolio. I'm Richard Infantino. You're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, we're back. I'm Richard Infantino, and you're listening to Primetime Money. Okay, joining us now is Marcus Berry. He's a vice president and ETF specialist at Invesco. Good morning, Marcus. Thanks for joining us again today. Well, thank you very much for having me on the call. I appreciate it. Um, you know, when most people think of the U.S. stock market in general, what they do is they think about, you know, the S&P 500, of course. Could you give us an idea of the NASDAQ 100 and, and uh, what's involved there? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's a great question because, again, the default for a lot of investors, if they think of the S&P 500 or perhaps even the Dow Jones, but the NASDAQ 100 is certainly one of the most popular and successful benchmarks out there. And what it represents is the 100 largest stocks on the NASDAQ, um, very much focused around innovation and growth. And a lot of people consider it the benchmark of the 21st century. And the reason for that is that it's more reflective of the technology-based economy that we're in today versus if you think back to the when the Dow Jones started in 1896 or the S&P 500 in the 1950s. What you're getting in the NASDAQ uh, yeah, to some of the most leading innovative companies on the planet. Um, and if we look under the hood to see what's actually in that index, uh, some of the absolute bellwether companies in the world, so biggest, biggest weights would include stocks like Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, Tesla. You know, these are very much core key companies for us mm-hmm. um, in, our, uh, in our own economy today. And beyond that, though, it's also got some of the most up-and-coming, innovation-focused, disruptive companies out there. So, again, some of your listeners may be familiar with names like Airbnb, DocuSign, PayPal. Um, Again, these are companies that have grown substantially over the last five to ten years and are really disrupting their their sectors and their industries. Beyond that, there's also names like Starbucks and, and Costco. So again, not maybe technology-focused names, but certainly names that are leaders in their sectors and disruptors. And probably what's also worth pointing out is maybe what you're not getting in this index. The NASDAQ 100 has no financials, no energy, no utilities, no REITs. So it is a good complement for a lot of Canadian investors. Yeah, it gives you some access to uh, growth. And, um, you know, innovation and thematic investing have been, you know, really popular with investors over the last few years. Um, so through the NASDAQ 100, how do you, how do you get the access to, the, to those kind of areas, innovation and thematic investments? Yeah, I think innovation's become a bit of a buzzword in the investment industry over the last five to ten years. Everybody's looking to find, you know, these up-and-coming innovative companies like like uh, Netflix, like Meta, like Tesla. How do you go around trying to find them? And probably the biggest indication of innovators is how much do these companies spend on research and development? How are they spending their money? Are they just paying it back as, um, as dividends and buying back their shares, or are they reinvesting it? And the average constituent in the NASDAQ 100 is spending close to $12 billion a year on research and development, which is more than double what those average companies are spending in the S&P 500. So it's a really good indication of how the NASDAQ goes about trying to, trying to innovate. Um, and maybe the, the one other point I'd make on that is, look at the number of patents that are being filed by companies in, in, in the NASDAQ 100. Um, I took a look at it uh, this, uh, recently, and currently 62 companies in the NASDAQ 100 have filed patents across one of 35 different disruptive technologies, um, such as artificial intelligence, clean energy, and blockchain. So, again, th- this is how we think uh, the NASDAQ 100 provides uh, access to a portfolio of thematics like, uh, yeah, like blockchain, like green energy, and AI. So, like... What, what's driven the, the NASDAQ uh, over the last decade? It's, it's up substantially, and it continues to do very well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was looking at the, the data just this week. So as of June 1st, 
so, so to put it into context, the, so the TSX, the Canadian um, index, yes. has returned a cumulative 125% total return. The S&P 500 has done 251% over that period, whereas the NASDAQ has done 426% total return over that 10 years. So, so yeah. more than a threefold increase over the TSX. Yes. And, and what's driven that, again, is this idea of, Finding companies that that are innovative, that are spending on their um, on their products and their services, but ultimately, what's driving those strong returns are, are, are very strong fundamentals. So, again, over the last ten years, the Nasdaq earnings in, in, in total are up four hundred and eighty-three percent versus eighty percent for the S and P five hundred. So, it's not. Um, just valuations that have gone up for a lot of these stocks, they're actually being driven by strong revenues and fundamentals. Well, yeah, that's uh, that's important because people think of the NASDAQ one way, but, you know, in behind it, earnings are up, revenues up, dividends are up. It's all positive things that you want. Just tell us, uh, we got about a minute left here, Marcus. Tell us okay. about the uh, next generation NASDAQ index. Yeah, uh, very, very quickly. This is the, the little brother to the NASDAQ 100. So okay. what you're getting is stocks numbers 101 to 200. So these are the up and coming uh, stars, the up and coming innovators. Um, so provides exposure today to companies like Etsy and Zillow and Lyft and the trade desk. Um, so if you're trying to be able to access these companies before they become these mega caps, it's a great index. And, you know, perhaps the final stat I'll leave you with is that in this index, so since 2010, 64 constituents have graduated up into the NASDAQ 100. And that includes names like Tesla, Netflix and DocuSign. So it's a very exciting index. Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, you know, the best way to play this, and you probably agree with me, Marcus, is to do it through an ETF because a lot of these smaller companies or up and coming companies go through a little bit of growing pains and to try to pick one off by yourself is very difficult better to have the yeah. index right have 100 companies working for you exactly exactly well it's great having you marcus thanks for uh for joining us here and thanks for uh, taking the time and uh hopefully we'll get you on again real soon we'll talk some more about the uh, thematic and innovations absolutely thank you very much for your time i appreciate it all right marcus you take care bye thanks bye Okay, that was Marcus Berry. He's the Vice President and ETF Specialist at Invesco. Remember, commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund and ETF investments. Distributions are not guaranteed. They may fluctuate. Please read the prospectus before you invest. Mutual funds and ETFs are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated. This show is sponsored in part by Invesco. Okay, wow, we're all out of time. Went by so fast. Join us next week when we talk agriculture with Dennis Silva of Middlefield Group, and we talk about healthcare with Paul McDonald. He's with Harvest Investments. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and our podcasts run on Apple Music and Spotify. See you next week, folks. I'm Richard Infantino, and this is Primetime Money. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.